This is episode five, the Empowered Athlete Podcast. Today on the Empowered Athlete Podcast, we'll explore the highest highs of professional sport and the lowest lows with our guest, David Boland. Dave is such a laid back guy, but you'd never know it on the ice. He's a winner of a Memorial Cup and a gold at World Juniors. Not only that, he has hoisted the Stanley Cup not once, but twice. Let's dive into this interview. We can't wait to hear from Dave Boland. Let me take you back to the summer of 2008. I hadn't qualified for the Olympics again, but it was my first summer not playing for the national team. I had it off and I got to train the entire summer with Kari on a specifically made program that was tailored to me, my injuries, my body, and my goals for that next upcoming season. And I was 34 years old. Well, the result went back over to Turkey and won a European Cup in incredible physical condition. Thank you to that program setting me up for the perfect season. Well, now you have access to the exact same thing. Hit email ks at empowerconditioning.com. That's ks for Kari Schneider and get started on one of Kari's incredible online training programs. The program is tailored to you. It has video of each exercise you're doing so you know what you're doing. Your reps are laid out, the sets are laid out. You can't go wrong. Reach out now to reach your best. Welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast, created to support athletes in their pursuit of excellence and inspire others toward their best lives. Hosted by Kari Schneider, coach to top performers in sport and life, and Paul Durden, former national and professional volleyball player. Okay, we're here on the Empowered Athlete podcast and with uh, co-host Paul Durden, and we're so fortunate to have Dave Boland on today. Welcome, Dave. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And um, I know that you've, you know, there'll be so many people who are excited to listen to a little bit about you and your life and your career, which has been really decorated. So um, if you want to, we often try to back up a bit and ask a little bit about how you got into your sport and what uh what the backstory looks like so what's that like for you dave where did you where did you start was Uh, it lacrosse that really got your heart first no 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 it was actually hockey um my older brother uh was out skating one time and my uncle actually my dad immigrated over from scotland so it was a little different Uh, they don't have hockey in scotland and they're not sure what hockey really was back in that back how long ago so uh, when my dad came over here, uh, my older brother was, my uncle, sorry, um, sort of talked about hockey and got my older brother into it and he was playing and I kind of looked at my dad and said, hey, I want to do this too and I want to play as well. So um, how much, how much older was your brother? Uh, he is your brother. I imagine he's still the same. Yeah, yeah, he's older. He's still older. Um, he's about uh, five, five years older than me. Nice. So, so you just had that that age gap. So you'd look up to yeah. him and think like, "Hey, yeah, I want that." Yeah. So he uh, so he was playing before me, and I always saw him out there, and he was always uh, on the ice and playing hockey. And I sort of went and told my dad I wanted to play, and my dad was still new to Scott, new to Canada, and trying to figure stuff out. So uh, my uncle helped out a bit and helped out my dad, and we uh, we kind of. He kind of figured things out and got me into hockey. And 
uh, hockey was the first thing. So I started hockey and had equipment that was two sizes too big and things. How that old didn't were fit. you? How old were you then? Uh, I think I was about six, five or six, six. And wow. uh, we, we, our family, we didn't have a lot of money. We, my dad worked, my mom worked, and they didn't have their jobs. And um, we, we had had equipment that was probably two sizes too big and skates that were two sizes too big to make sure they fit for another few years. And uh, we just started playing hockey and I grew up in Mimico and started there. And uh, I think uh, about, about eight, uh, eight years old, Brian Shanahan, uh, Brendan Shanahan's brother uh, was coaching me and sort of told my dad to get me in lacrosse as well. And I kind of got into lacrosse as well. And, lacrosse took off for me as well uh, after that as well so I had two sports that were great for training and great for me and great for different things in hockey and different things in lacrosse that kept me motivated and kept me an athlete that's uh that's kind of the perfect start you don't know it at the time but no. and your parents probably had no idea either <clears throat> but just no. to get the the cross training in the summer from lacrosse and and yeah. uh and getting all that together it did we we've got kids who have been in lacrosse and hockey um did your parents really like i don't know if you've ever asked them this but were they did they just kind of go with the flow is like this is what you do for hockey so we're gonna make all these trips and drive all these places and buy all the equipment or did they just kind of go with it or was there any time where they were kind of like i don't know if this is still Mm -hmm. the right thing or did they just see your love for it and go for it i think they saw my love for it and went for it it was expensive and I think back in back back then, and just to play pee wee hockey one year, I think it cost my parents almost fifteen thousand dollars. And yeah. back then, yeah, yeah. Back, back how many years? That's going back about that's a ton of money. Years that's going a while back there. That's still a lot of money to a a family that doesn't make a lot and is still working hard for what they have to do. So some things had to get cut short from my brothers, and some things had to go, but. I think they saw the love of the game for me and they, they, they kind of went with the flow with it and kept on helping with it, helping me with it and kept on pushing me. How, uh, how, how many brothers do you have Two. Uh, I got one older and two younger. Nice. And, and were they, were the younger ones kind of looking up to you? Did they want to go hockey too? Uh, no, not really. They didn't, they didn't, they, my younger brothers, they, they liked hockey, but they didn't really get into it. Uh, my youngest brother, he uh, he actually works at the Leafs practice rink, just doing cleaning the room and helping out with them. But uh, yeah. he never really got into it and and didn't really get get the edge or get the get the the push that some guys get when they want to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once <laughs> once you kind of catch the bug, then away you go. Yeah, um, that's what that's what it was. And what? So so if we flash forward, you got to the point where you were being looked at for the OHL like what was that kind of transition like for you yeah it was it was it was different it was weird um that'd probably be about Bantam and I was about 15 years old and my love for hockey was still there but my love for lacrosse was still there as well and like in both sports I went I think eighth overall in the first in eighth overall in the OHL draft and uh, I also went I think sixth or seventh overall in the in a junior A draft for lacrosse Wow. So I was, I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of on the fence for both, but I think, uh, I think when I look at it, there's a lot more money to be done in hockey and 
a little bit more of a career and you can do a lot more, but I still had that, that love for lacrosse. Was that the deciding factor then, though? Like, was no, that, I think this, like, I think I because you don't really get it at that age. Like, you don't really no. under. I mean, and I, still I mean, you do I, and you don't. Yeah, and I like I, I, I even at that age, like I still had that thought. I was like, am I going to make it or am I not going to make it? And I think those first two years of the OHL and 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 getting ready for the NHL draft, those are crucial years that you need to be top top of your game and in the game and. I still remember uh, my first year uh, in the OHL playing under Dale Hunter. Um, I didn't play much. I only had 17 points. I didn't learn. I didn't know the game well. I didn't know anything about my defensive zone. I was a young kid that just wanted to score goals and play this game. And that, that, that that's all I wanted to do. And, and yeah. he helped me fix that game around and yeah. got me to where I was, got me to where, where I am. It's it's interesting that so many times we hear when you look back, you don't you don't really it's almost like the right time and the right place. Like if that particular person hadn't coached a certain way or a certain thing at that time, then you know the outcome might have been different. Yeah. Or even, or the timing would have been different and then it wouldn't have yeah, worked or it, whatever, you know. It could have been that or if if I would have went a little bit earlier in the draft and I went to somewhere else to Sarnia or Yeah. Went to another team, but we had a great team and we went, we won a Memorial cup. We were, I think we were just named century team of the century. Uh, yeah. Just not too long ago. And if they, I, I think sometimes things just need to fall into place and if things fall into place in the right time and the right places, it, things go well, if not, then I think sometimes yeah. that's how it goes. I know, no. I know for me, looking back on my <clears throat> career that there was a lot of, teams as with especially early on as a professional that I didn't realize at the time but just being with a certain mm -hmm. group of professionals uh, I played with a couple of the Dutch national team members early on in my career and learned just a ton from them about being professional and being in that environment and being pushed in practice every day that really helped accelerate me as a player and I feel like that must have been the same for you with that Memorial Cup group because you just look at the talent across the board of that group you said it, you know you've been named as one of the teams mm -hmm. of the century that to be in that environment, it is the perfect storm for a developing player. And it is. And I think and then you, you also have guys like Gil and Mark Hunter that played how many years and Basil McRae that they played how many years in the NHL and they they're, they played 20 years over over combined. I think they played you know, way more than 20 years. And, and to have them alongside and have them be with you and to teach you all that, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, 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 that's great. Yeah, and you you realize now, but maybe you didn't maybe you didn't fully realize then. No, I did. And, and, and back then, I was back then I was more just like, okay, I'm gonna go out and play hockey, and then I'm gonna do my thing. And if hockey doesn't go great, well, I've got a school package that the team offers you, and you yeah. know, I'll go to school and I'll figure something out, and that was it. So they offered you like a like a high school package package or a no, no, university no. package no university package so whenever so you uh so whenever uh, there's different like so if you're a first round pick second round pick third round pick there's different packages you get so when you're a first round pick you get a full ride you get go it's to like West a scholarship or, offer kind of yeah so like yeah if things don't happen and like it's there and um yeah. you can you can use that full package and do your thing but uh it's different for rounds and that and for what kind of player you are so so 
so at that time, if you think back at that time, you are moving away from home, but you're young. Like it's, it's a whole new experience. You're, you're probably billeted. Were you living with billets? Yeah. 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 I, uh, what, I what was that whole thing like? Cause you're yeah. away from your parents was, and all of that. It was weird. It was different. Cause <clears throat> I was, I was home and I had my parents, my brothers and my friends and you move two hours away, two and a half hours away to London, Ontario. And you're going to find new friends. You're going to a new school. You're going to figure things out. And kind of way you got to figure things out for yourself. Um, because like you have your billet parents, but they're busy too, but you're busy as well. So yeah. And they're not your real parents. Yeah. Correct. And and they're not, and you're, you're kind of, getting used to them and trying to figure things out. And so it, it was, it was a bit of a, it was, it was a, it was tough and it was hard, but I think once you get in the groove and you're around all the guys and you see the guys all the time and you meet so many good friends, but like you're around the guys so much that you sort of become close, close, close friends with each other. There's another aspect to it that I was chatting with Kari about before you know, getting on the interview with you and I, that I wanted to know, and it's the, especially being in Canada, it's the media side and the microscope that you're thrown onto, under. Uh, you know, London, here's a big hockey town. Everyone follows the Knights and loves them. And what is it like as a young man? I mean, you're a teenager coming into that environment. You're being billeted. You're away from home. And then everything that you're doing on the ice is being talked about and wins and losses. And, and how did you deal with that? And did anyone help you with it? And what was that uh, pressure like? Or, yeah, or like, was it, did it even affect you? I, I, it didn't really affect me. I didn't. I didn't really listen or like. I'd read the. I'd read what they'd say, but I'd brush it off and just be like, oh, "Who gives a <laughs> care?" You can like, swear. Oh, okay. You can swear. Oh uh, yeah. Mostly just like who gives a I shit. I know you. Like, yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. So like most of the time, I just, I just brush it off, and I was like, "Oh well, whatever." Like people are gonna talk and they're gonna critic your game and they're gonna say what they want, and I can't say anything i just got to prove to them on the ice that 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 i'm this kind of player and this is what i got to do but yeah like that first year i remember the first year coming into london we were still we just we, they just moved from the, the ice house over to downtown so it was it was different and so we, we were getting more fans and the guys everybody was like whoa whoa, whoa. Was, like this is crazy now like we're getting a lot more exposure and we now going from i think 3,500 fans to nine to ten thousand fans almost an NHL game. Oh, sorry, yep. almost like an NHL arena. Um, yeah. It was. It got crazier and crazier, and then the next year and the year after that, it just got even worse. And we, like you said, like we were under that microscope. Um, the year we won the Memorial Cup, so I think that was my second or third year, and I'm pretty sure that was my third year. And I think we went. I think we went almost like 40 games without losing, and like it was a record. And and <clears throat> like we were, and I think that was the lockout year that that uh the nhl was locked out so all the media yeah. and everything was all over us and because there was no hockey going on so they had to find something else so we were there and we had i remember we had like tsn sportsnet we had like all these other big medias like well, bigger like just the toronto sun the toronto star wanted to talk to us and we're like well we're in london here like where's the toronto sun the toronto star want to hear from us but but yeah it, it was i think getting some people take that microscope and they kind of uh they kind of take it in a different way or they run with it or but i think on my side i was more i'm more of on the shy side 
I try to kind of stay away from all that and just stay away from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean your your forte is on the ice, and yeah. if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do any talking, that's probably where it is too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so between 2004, 2005, 2006, and the Memorial Cup and World Juniors, and being drafted, like you, it it basically changed your whole life. Uh, what I mean what what could that what did you I don't know what were you going through that must have been insane describe that getting drafted and and everything you went through yeah it was it was it was it was it was pretty crazy winning the Memorial Cup and then like you said winning the World Juniors gold medal for Team Canada and that was in Vancouver um those two like even those two just winning those are are big accomplishments and then getting drafted is even <clears throat> an even bigger accomplishment and now you're now 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 eventually like I figured out I, I can play I, I can eventually play in the NHL I can make a living out of this hopefully and we'll see where this goes um but just sitting at the draft and waiting for your name to be called <laughs> and like the first day for me it was like my size is he gonna get any bigger what kind of player is he gonna be is he gonna be yeah is he gonna be 100 and I think I weighed like 155 pounds or 100 yeah I, I was soaking wet and I was about five eleven, and and they 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 weren't sure. So it was like either first round, do we take him in the first round, or we take he does he go in the second round? And to this day, I'm glad I went in the second round because if I would have went late first round, I could have been on a team that could have never would would when I think back now that probably would never have made it to the playoffs or won a Stanley Cup. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm pretty fortunate, and I'm, I think some of these kids today they hope they go in the first round but I think second round and the rate that first team or two teams in that second round those are those last place teams that you're going to get a spot and you're going to play and I was on Chicago and Chicago wasn't the great greatest team back when I first uh, got with them they were trying to figure things out things are going on upstairs and with uh with old man works and and they were trying to figure <laughs> things out and eventually I I cracked that spot and it's all history and that's huge what was that like to be called up uh it was it was fun actually it was pretty funny so like the uh my first game <clears throat> i think it was like i got called up like right away um me and another guy michael blunden and uh we got to the airport and a limo picked us up and took us to the <laughs> practice rink and we were like geez this is pretty cool I'm like, Big wide this. eyes, yeah. looking around. I was like, I'd rather be doing this than uh, sitting on the bus for 15 hours yeah, on the, and on uh, the farm team. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, uh, this looks a lot more fun than uh, than playing down there. Um, yeah. So we uh, we got to the rink and uh, we practiced the day before, and the next day we were playing uh, Vancouver, and I actually lined up against uh, my almost arch rivals when I started playing was the Sedin twins and uh oh. and Marcus Naslin and that was my first I lined up against those two guys Ed Naslin and I think I was like minus two and I was like geez I'm like this is this isn't that easy uh -huh, this is a little tougher <laughs> up here so, eventually so you started so you started chirping is that when it all started no 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 no. I didn't start that, <laughs> that, was, that was way too that was soon long... wise wise choice yeah yeah and, 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 and I think when I did start like there was a lot more tougher guys and fighting was 
fighting was basically allowed to do. You can do whatever you want. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah somebody's got your back. Yeah. So like, it was like, oh, five. And like, they didn't get, they don't give a shit. They'll kill you. They'll run you over. They'll, yeah. So, so yeah. So I played one game. That was the game against Vancouver. And then I got sent back down the next gate, next day. And they sort of gave me what I need to work on and what I got to do. And I played the next uh, season. I played my first season in, uh, in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I think it was the best thing for me. Um, I had a coach by Mike Havlin and he, uh, he was great. Uh, he taught me all the little things to be a pro and he had older guys on that team. But I think for any player that's going through the draft and getting drafted and either playing a year in the NHL, I think a year in the HL is, is a wise decision. It, I think it taught me a lot and got me stronger and a little more stronger minded. But, mm-hmm. but Dave, I, I feel like that's something that's easy to say now. Yeah. But looking back on yourself then, how did you feel about it? Because I, I know for me personally, I was hell bent to be the best player on every team I was on and, you know, took everything so personally if someone was thought to be better than me. And you're coming into the NHL drafted in the second round, mm-hmm. uh, which you know now worked out really well. Um, mm-hmm. Did you feel that way then? And also, you know, Memorial Cup champion, World Juniors champion. In your mind, were you expecting to get right onto a team and start playing in the NHL? And and was there any kind of a mental setback or reset when you you know play that game and get sent down for basically it was about a year and a half? I think it ended up being. Uh, like the first year I was the first year I went into the NHL. Yeah, because. Looking yeah, at it now, like, you you realize what an amazing process it was really yeah. great for your development. But at the time, it was. were you thinking the same? Uh, I, I wasn't. I think I, I like anybody. I think anybody. I wanted to be up there. I wanted to play in the NHL. But at the same time, I knew I was. I wasn't strong enough. I still had to put a little bit of weight on. I still got to had to get a little stronger. I still had little tendencies that 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 had to be picked up uh, in my game that I was doing and. I think for me, going just just going to the AHL, figuring that out, figuring what kind of player I was going to be, because in in uh, in in the OHL, I had I think 130 points, and I was a goal scorer. Uh, I was I was on the power play. I'd stay on, and I would I'd be that guy. And once I got Gritty. up to the yeah, but still yeah, I still had that grip. But once I got up to the AHL. Sorry, to the yeah, so to the AHL. I still put up points. I wasn't putting up a lot of points like I was in the OHL. So I, like there was tendencies. So I, I had to figure out what kind of game I was going to play. So I was either am I going to stay in the AHL and try and be a goal scorer and put up a lot of points, or can I figure this out quick and maybe be a third line center, work hard, still put up some good points, but crack that lineup right away because there's a lot of guys that sit in that HL, they try to figure out their job and they, they kind of they can't figure it out that quick. Mm-hmm. And I, I think get stuck. Yeah, you get stuck in that you get you sort of get stuck in that mode. You're like, what are you gonna be? And I think I think from what I what I what I kind of went through, I kind of found my nick right when I got up there and I I was gritty. I got in the corners, I got the puck, I was great in my defensive zone and there it was. I was that third, second line kind of guy that was that, that, that could blend in there. Yeah, you had enough attributes to adapt to that situation that a lot of guys can't. And Correct. 
And a lot of people looking in from the outside, what they don't realize, and this is true not just for hockey, but so many other sports, is that they don't, somebody sees mm -hmm. an athlete at a lower level and then they, are, and they're, they shine. That athlete is just unbelievably talented or they do all these things or they've got the right physical attributes, whatever it is. And then they, the person as the onlooker automatically thinks that they're going to do amazing at the next level, whether it's a pro level or whatever, right? Yep. But what most people don't realize is that it's a completely different game. And it doesn't matter whether it's like university sport compared to national team sport or, you know, OHL compared to AHL versus NHL or, but, but it's, it's a different game at each level that, that people don't from the outside don't necessarily <clears throat> take, take into account, but it's players like you that, you know, you have to adapt and you did adapt and that's what allowed you to keep going. Whereas a lot of other players, they can't make that shift to adapt to the requirements of that next level. Yeah, no, you're right. And I, I think like, you've got to be a special person like Sidney Crosby, Patrick Crane, like all these young guys that step in there. You've got to be, you've got to be pretty special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so take us a little further because you, you know, you have the, the title of all titles. You, you've got two Stanley Cups. So what, yeah. uh, what <clears throat> was that like? Like that, the first one in 2010, like you, you must have just been on top of the world. Yeah, it was actually a tough season for me because uh, I was battling back injuries and uh, the year before, and um, I was I was I had an L five S one, I had a herniated disc, and I played the year before with it, and by the end of the season, it was just agony, and I was in pain, and so I the whole summer I did rehab for it, and uh, I did some shots, and hopefully uh, an epidural, hopefully this is gonna make it better, and it didn't make it better, and I did one right before camp and camp came in and I felt good. I felt great. And then first five or 10 games in, I felt it again. And I was just like, and you can't be doing a lot of these epidurals. They're not good. No, nope. not good for you. And I think there's, there's a max of what you can have. And I had that max. And, um, I, I remember talking to my trainer and he's like, well, I think the only thing we can do now is, is surgery. So I'm like, well, I never want to do surgery, but, if this is going to help me and get me right back in this game, I'll, I'm going to do whatever I can. Uh, so I had surgery around November and started November, December, January, February. I came back and for the last about 25, 30, I think like 30 games, um, uh, I was back playing and I was fresh and I felt great. And I was kind of, I was like, this is nice. You, <laughs> this it's, back it's thing's so not an issue. It's so rare to, first of all, like I have a, I have a specialty and I have a master's degree in lumbar spine kinematics. So I got a specialty in back kind of awareness, but first of all, there's many, many times coming out of surgery, people don't get those kind of results that you got. Yeah. But, but, but second of all, you know, just the fact that you're able to step in at the end of the season and you're fresher than the rest of the guys, because it's such a long bloody season yes. that at that point, you're fresher than a lot of other people. However, <clears throat> most most people coming off an injury like that, they 
are are not quite back at 100%. And most athletes are never at 100% when they're in a pro season. They're usually at, you know, they're recovering from one little thing or another all the time. So what, you know, were you, you were feeling like at that 100% or were you feeling like oh, 90% coming I, out, out of the surgery? Where I, were you at? I felt 100 and like I was flying and I was like, I felt, I was like, like the, all the, most of the guys were, at declining they're at the end of the season so they're like yeah like they're, they're they're still fresh but they're not as fresh and like i was at that 100 percent, and i was flying around and once it came playoff time i was ready to go i was like okay let's do this and uh we played uh i forget we played i remember that that, that season was the year that we started the rivalry with uh with vancouver and things uh <laughs> they, things started from there with with me and uh the sitting twins and uh, yeah. it was one of those things that, that that kept going but that 2010 stanley cup was just winning that first stanley cup uh was unbelievable and amazing um just to hoist it and just to see what goes on with it, everything around it and what you got to go through to, to get there is even even harder um so um it's it's not an easy accomplishment and you talk to guys at the end of it and like guys are Guys have broken hands, broken ankles, scars, yeah. and there's 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 a I think there's a battle wound from every Stanley Cup final. You can talk to someone and someone's got something wrong with them. There's, there shouldn't be anybody that that doesn't have a problem. Yeah, Dave, yeah. Dave, I want to ask you just stepping back to your back, open no intended. Yep. But, uh, hockey in general, you know, has a reputation over other pretty much every other sport in the world that guys play through pain, they play through injury, all those sorts of things. And that's, that's just a culture in hockey that's ingrained from when you're a young player, but what, and you may not be able to answer this, but what is the pressure like from management and the people paying the bills in terms of getting you back? Cause you described being coming back at a hundred percent. And I find that incredible. Cause I know a lot of guys I played with, and heard in other sports that people are pushed back too soon because you're really a commodity. You know, it's, it's, it is a business for these clubs and they want to win. And if somebody can't perform, they're going to get someone else in there. And what, were you in a situation that allowed you to truly heal? Is that, and when you said you came out at hundred percent, I'm blown away. I, I was expecting you to say, Oh, I was 70%, but they wanted me back. You know? No, I think like, you don't get, uh, you do get the pressure. Like you said, it is a commodity and, and it is, but even on my side, I want to play hockey. I want to get back out there. I don't want some kid coming up from the minors that, that that's younger or could be faster than me and taking my spot and right. I'm sitting out. So at times you're sitting there, you're like, well, I, I want to get back fast. I want to make sure that I'm ready as well. That, 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 that too. Um, Cause some guys do come back a little bit too early or could be pushed a little bit too early and they come back and they screw up their back again, or they screw up what they, what they're rehabbing. And, and it does happen, but um, it is, like there is situations that, uh, that I know guys have gone through that have been pushed forward and let's go, let's go, let's let's get back, get back, get back. Um, but I, I think at, at the same time, it's 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 the player. Like you're the you're the you're you're the one. Like if you feel great, you you should be ready to go. If you don't, you should have that state of mind, or you should have that in your head that that uh, that, that you can't you can't go. And I always had that. I I knew once I was ready, I was ready to get back over the ice and. Uh, if it was someone ever pushed me, I, I made sure, but 
Um, I never really got pushed or anything by anybody. Uh, so I didn't, I never really felt that pressure. Um, what, uh, so tell us after that, because I don't know if you would have ever expected to go through another couple seasons and, and be faced with that kind of opportunity again for a Stanley cup. Yeah. And that, and even having that one was even bigger when, Scoring the uh, the game winning goal, winning um, goal, that's yeah. amazing. So I, I think a lot of kids these days they play on the street, and I used to play on the street, and we used to use pylons as the Stanley Cup, and you'd uh, whoever scored the winning goal would be hoisting it, and um, just having that moment and going through that moment and everything was 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 all a blur to how fast it went and how crazy it was and just how nuts it was um because we were thinking about i think we were down we were down 2-1 and the guys were like with some of the guys we were thinking i'm pretty sure most of the guys were thinking oh well we'll just go back home to chicago and we won it on the road last time so let's win it at home this time so i think a lot of guys are thinking that and out of the blue we scored two goals in 17 seconds and we're up 3-2 and we still have 57 <laughs> seconds left in the game so it was uh it was it was it was one of those things that was was crazy and quick and like it just went by so fast that you're like, holy shit! Like, hey, we won the Stanley Cup. The game's over. So yeah. it was, uh, it it was fun and it, it was it was crazy as well. Um, I remember I remember Shrimpy going to visit you when you're you were still playing. I don't know what game you were at, but but it was just like he wasn't sure it sounded like from him that you weren't sure at that point because everybody was just so spent it was just I mean this time into that deep into the playoffs this time you weren't rested this time you're nope. barely hanging on and yeah. you know I, I was working with you in the gym after that and you were you were a rail like yeah. after that long of a season there was just nothing left you're yeah. you're basically and then we depleted. came depleted. Uh, oh yeah, and that was after that, that was that was just a half of a season really because that was a that was a lockout year, and we came back. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And we only played. I think we got to about fifty games. I'm not sure how many games we we played. And then you had another extra. I think mean, you go far, so you have an extra how many yep. games? And like, just by like you said, like our season that season, we ended and uh, like because the season was so late, we started so late that the the season didn't get the season didn't end. In, the Stanley Cup Finals, and then until I think it was like June 27th or 28th, yeah. and then you think about it, you, sometimes like most of the time you're gonna party, so party for a week, <laughs> get it all get get it all out, and then try to get back in the gym, and then there's always something going on with a Stanley Cup party or something, yeah. and and then you you try to get it back, and the season was turning right back around there, and we we had to be back by September, so I had about two months or a month to get back into it, so it was. Uh, it it was it was so, a quick turnaround. So little but, recovery. But yeah, I was. I remember. I was. I think I was probably about a, a 175 pounds. And you just yeah. like Jesus. Like it takes a lot out of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so take us forward. What happened after that? Uh, so after that, I played another season with uh, Chicago, and I was getting towards the end of my contract, and uh, trying. Chicago knew they weren't going to sign me back there and I was going to ask for more money too because winning some Stanley Cups is that helps you in contract mm. talk um so uh so they traded me to Toronto uh I went and started the year in Toronto and 
it was exciting. It was really exciting because I got to go come back home. I was born in Toronto and uh, playing for your hometown team is probably one of the best feelings you could ever have. And uh, actually, it was, it was great by uh, Stan Bowman, the GM. And he uh, he called. I knew I knew something was happening and he called me up and he's like, hey, and I kind of knew it was coming. And he's like, well, he's like, we traded you. And I was like, well, I kind of knew that was coming. He's like, well, yeah. but I traded you back home. You can go back home to Toronto. I was like, oh, and I, I kind of got some chills and up yeah. through all through all over my body. I was like, well, this is pretty neat to go back home and and play for my uh, and play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So um, from there, got all settled in Toronto. My first twelve games, I think I had fifteen points. I was on probably one of the best career the start to my career and. Things were going great. Uh, we went into Florida. Sorry, we went into Vancouver, and uh, I had a skate blade cut my perineal tendon, and that's uh, that's kind of where things ended. That ended, yeah. but things started to, to decline. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what, tell me about the how it happened. Uh, I went in the corner with uh, I forget who it is now. Uh, Zach Cassian. And uh, his it was an accident. He sort of came up. You know, he was behind me, and his skate blade just came up. And I probably had about an inch or two, not that much room between my uh, my skate and my shin pad. And his blade just came down and cut the tendon right off. Um, I tried to get up. I what's that? Um, I tried tried to get up one time, and my ankle buckled, and I was like, "Oh, like what the?" I tried to get up another yeah. time, and I was like, geez, I'm like, I think something's wrong here. And so I had some guys carry me off and uh, got into the dressing room and I uh, got in the back and I had our doctor there. And then I had uh, the Vancouver's team uh, surgery, uh, surgery doctor, what you call him, but. Uh, yeah, orthopedic. Orthopedic, yeah, ortho. Yeah. So he, uh, so he came in and he took two fingers and stuck it inside my ankle and he said, uh, you're, she's like, you're done. He's like, your tendons cut right off. So from there, I hopped in an ambulance, went to the, went to the Vancouver, uh, Vancouver hospital, sat in there for a night, waiting to get surgery, and was woken up at about 5 a.m., 6 a.m. to go in and get it repaired. How, like, was, was that, was that a pretty big low for you? What was, what were it, you? feeling uh, like then uh I, I right there and then i didn't think of anything because i was just like oh i'll, I'll just rehab this and it'll like you did your back and yeah like you did other yeah. things like and other, you just do what I, you've done before it'll be yeah. fine so like i had a full groin and just go and do my thing and I, this is what i can do and hey i'll just rehab it i'll come back and i remember uh just getting i remember just even the first, first few days there in the hotel and sorry in the hospital it was painful i was in agony and like it was it was a lot and just uh just just going through that was was a lot um so it was uh it was it was a bit of a, a down but i think i got back to toronto and tried to get rehabbing right away and get on this and we tried yeah. to so I, I remember seeing you in in our gym i don't know how long after the injury it was but i couldn't believe and it was months after i know that for sure but i couldn't believe the size and the thickness of the scar tissue yeah. around it. And yeah. you were describing to me how that interfered with just doing up your skate. 
And yeah, so like, or anything had, pressing against it. Yeah, so I had to I had to go to Bauer to the Bauer uh, the Bauer factory to get like new skates all formed to my ankle because the the tissue was so much and I, like it, it was actually more painful just going through the rehab and having having our trainers uh, trying to get that tissue out. So they they'd sit there for a good like twenty minutes just rubbing it and just trying yeah. to get rub that scar tissue, get it out, get it out because it builds yeah. up, and I, I can still, I still have a little bit. It's still not as much, but it's still there. But it's all that friction massage, and it's so painful. And at yeah. the same time, if if they don't do it, it it it'll stay big and hard like that, yeah. like just a big yep. chunk on the side of your leg. And yeah, yeah. I yeah, got give you an idea of how I, painful I, it is. I, I just want to give you know the listeners a. a inkling of how painful friction massage is on that i i would get it occasionally on my patellar tendons when they were really flared up and i was sitting on a training table in belgium and the trainer and went and did that when i was especially sore and i pulled my arms back and put both of my elbows through the drywall <laughs> i was sitting against the wall and put two holes in the wall because it is just it's excruciating it's it's not like a a knife pain it's a it's a burning hot intense pain that just yeah you you'll put your elbows yeah. through walls unbelievable <laughs> and you got and you have big elbows <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's um what's what's happening for i mean like you've when you got back on the ice and you're trying to rehab this and you're pushing through and you go to skate and the skates won't fit properly and your gait is different. Like your stride on the ice is different. Like what's, what's going through your head? What, what happened from there? Yeah. From there, I, I kind of kept on working. Like I, like any hockey player or any kind of athlete, you, you get to work and you do everything you can. And I just remember coming home and I'd have a stim machine on my, on my thighs, on my everywhere. I had a, a big ice machine. Um, forget what it's called but i'd have that hooked up to my ankle just icing it every night like anything to do like, i was trying everything and we uh and I, I just still remember going on the ice and trying to push off and push it off and i got no power and i'm like oh boy i'm like this doesn't feel good and we had to tape the ankle for a bit because it, it was not that it was weak it was well it was weak but i just had i needed some stiffness there to help me a little bit and i tried that but even that was was interfering with it um so i think i got back for i got back for two games at the end of the season and it still it still wasn't right but i knew i had a summer coming ahead and, and that, that would be the biggest summer of my career to to change things around and to to get it strong and, and to build it and uh in, in going through all that then then you uh, were you traded at that point? What happened then? No, I signed. Uh, I was a free agent. So once you hit 28 years old, you're you're a free agent, and you can shop around and you can go and see who who wants you and 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 what's going on. So uh, the Florida Panthers came to me and wanted to sign sign me. So I was fortunate to go to to Florida and 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 play there. Nice. And so what's happening for you? What, what went from there? And uh, what, describe what was going on in Florida and then from then on. Yeah, so I, I, I got to Florida, 
first season and got everything going and thought I was strong. And that first season, just I had my ups and downs. I had my ankle. And then even with my ankle, my back, and I think once, you know, once one thing goes, your ankle goes, your back. And yeah. with back problems as well with me, it kind of came back again and flared up. And I started declining, declining, and it was going down. And I kept on working. I tried everything. I just wanted to try everything to get back into the game and and never wanted to leave the game. Like, the love of the game is, is always there. And it, trying to leave it and and leave it at an early age isn't, isn't, uh, isn't, isn't fun. But... Um, uh, that first year was was a grind, and I I didn't know what was going on. I'm just like my ankle, my back. Like, just keep trying everything. What else can we do? And so um, that first year went by. Came back home, worked hard, got ready for that next season. And that next season was was the year of of hell. Um, I I got uh. The, I, things weren't going for things weren't going that well for me. Uh, my game wasn't as it was when I played for Chicago, um, and I knew my ankle was one of those things that that, that was stopping me. Um, so I went down to the minors, played there, and hopefully tried to figure something out. But uh, I just even down there in the minors, I was declining, and I, it was tough keeping up down there. Um, and that's when uh, and that's when I had to call it quits. Mm-hmm. And that was it's- yeah. It's it's interesting because you you've almost had the, this experience with um, with both the unexpected on the highs and unexpected on the lows. Like you yeah. could never have predicted some of the amazing great things that happen when it comes to you know Stanley Cups, game winning goals, just the kind of process that you had going through. I don't think you or anybody else could have predicted that. And at the same oh, time. No. The, the exact same is true on the on the lows because who could ever predict that you're going to get a blade across your ankle and yeah. sever the tendons like that's just such i mean there's some freak accidents in hockey but that's one of those ones where you're like what yeah and you know there's just these unexpected highs and lows um out of all the things that you went through what would you say was like the biggest challenge the darkest point out of all those things uh, well, probably going through all my, like, my ankle was probably the darkest. Uh, it was just a lot, a lot of pain, a lot of things I had to go through just in the hospital, just trying to get uh, on a flight back home to Toronto. Um, it was a, uh, it, it, like, it was, it was a lot. And um, just going through just that, 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 just going, just having that, like, like you said, like winning two Stanley Cups getting traded to my hometown team in Toronto, being Jack and how excited <clears throat> and then having a skate blade cut you and then signing a five-year deal with Florida and you're up, you're high again. And that first year, year and a half, you're there and you start declining and then you're back in the lows and you, you do, you, you, you have those highs and lows and you're not sure if you're coming or going or what's going on. And uh, I think the lowest point was when, was when uh was when I got sent down the minors and I had to tell them that like I can't play anymore like my ankle is shot it, I don't have that strength I can't keep up like I yeah. I can't even keep up in the HL like and and just trying to say that to to a trainer and to a GM is you know, that's nothing that's something you never want to say and like 
as a hockey player, like you said, like we battle through everything. We take pucks to the face. You go back out there, you take a a stick to the to the to 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 the forehead, and you get stitches, and you come back out there, and and to to say I can't come back out there and not play anymore for the rest of my life was was tough. It was a hell of a lot harder than any of those physical wounds. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'd take I'd take about forty stitches over the forehead then to deal with that ankle. Yeah. You know, you know something I really struggled with uh, retiring was feeling so tied to being a volleyball player, and it's what I did. It's who I was. It's how I was known. It, it was everything for me. And how how are you dealing? with this transition because you're describing obviously that hockey you're not playing at the level you want to anymore and since age six you've been a hockey player how how has that been for you it's been tough and um i know just just well for me as of right now i i when i when, when i was done i still had three years left of my contract so i still had to I still had to be there. Um, I still had to do what I had to do. Um, I've got to do therapy. Uh, I've got to do stuff for insurance. Um, I'm still under contract with the NHL and with, well, now it's Arizona. Um, but like you said, it's, it is, it's like finding hobbies and finding things to do and, and trying to stay busy is, is one of those things. But uh, when I come back here to London, it's, it's awesome because uh, I'm good friends with Dylan Hunter and Dale Hunter and I go to the rink and I stay in the game and just staying in with the game and, and being around it is, is, is great. And like it, it excuse me, it's still, um, it's, it, it still keeps you, keeps your head in there and like, you're always around it. So, um, and even just watching it. Um, but like you said, like being done hockey, it, it is weird because I, I, you're kind of a, a robot. Like, you wake up, you wake up at like every morning. I wake up at eight, go to the ring, eat my breakfast, um, go to uh, get ready, go, go do my stretch, uh, go on the ice, come off, eat. Like if, if it's a game day, you, you had your, if your times were all sorted out and you had to be, I had to be had lunch this time, come home, nap, go back to the ring. Okay. Do that. They leave. So it's, it was, yeah. It's, and then, and then, and then I go, I go from there to like, well, I get up at 10, 30, 11. Uh, <laughs> it's not good for you. Yeah, I know. So it's like, and, and, and it's also like, I, I'm like, oh, I'll just take a few weeks off at the gym. I won't go out. <laughs> I normally work out. I work out in, in back when I'm in Florida, but I came back here in London and I sort of slacked it up, slacked a bit. I was, I was like, well, I'm going to be busy with my daughter and blah, blah, blah. But um, it does. It's, it's, it's 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 a big it's a big change and it's it's one of those things you're you're like I, I still wish I was playing I still wish I was on that regimen uh, you get so used to it. When when you uh, a couple things you're talking about number one getting back in an environment where you're at the rink and you're you know you're with the guys in London the hunters and and the knights and it it's that's the kind of thing that I know Paul and I have talked about a lot in. You know, I have this vision of athletes who retire, whether it's from national team sport or pro sport, that, you know, if there is still some way for them still to be involved, because the cutting, cutting an athlete off of that 
full, full regimented schedule ends up like it's like severing everything that they know, every pattern that they've done, every and most, not all, but most athletes really find that, you know, it's like this no man's land. It's like this void that's that's empty and open that you just don't you don't know what to do with yourself. And it might not always be positive. You know, there's a lot of a lot of dark places and bad things that happen when somebody doesn't know what to do with themselves. But it's like that connection or that involvement with people who are still in it is huge to feel like you're still part of it or still contributing or I still wanted. Uh, yeah. Still wanted like, if, yeah. cause otherwise, otherwise when, when I know for Paul, you know, retiring from the national team, there's nothing like there's just no, there's no connection or anything. Now he was still playing pro, but, but then after that, you know, when the contract's done and everything, it's, you're just so done that yeah. there it's, it's like cutting the cord. And I, you know, I, I personally just think that some sort of connection, like you're describing, you're fortunate enough to have buddies that you'll have lifelong buddies in this area. And, you know, you'll always have that kind of connection. They'll probably always want you involved in some form or another, but you know, for a lot of them, it's just like, where do you go? What do you do? You know, you can only fill so much time with your hobbies Unless yep. it's, you know, when your whole day in life had always been full of, of the whole Hockey. schedule. And, and that's exactly what, what Paul was like. It was like, you wake up at this time, everything works backwards from practice time or game time. You know, you have to eat at this time, nap at that time. And it's just, a, you know, and, and like you, that's the same kind of thing. Paul was that robotic kind of, okay, this is what I do. Now I do this. Now I do this. And then all of a sudden you're in the real world. And there's kids and there's like, like, how do you, how do you earn money? What do you do? How does, you know, all these extra things, but so you're, you're a dad. What's, what's it like being a dad in, uh, and parenting? Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. So, uh, my daughter lives in Toronto with, with her mother and I live here and I see her a lot and, uh, she's a, she's a girl. So I, I had, I had, uh, I had all brothers. So having a, Having a little girl, it's a little different now. So I. I so you're uh, saying you don't know what the hell to do most of the time. Basically, here, <laughs> these tant- these tantrums and everything. But uh, but she's great. She's fun. She keeps me alive. She she always gets a little nerve that she pushes with me. But uh, she's awesome. She's she's my little sweetheart, and it's one of those things. So. Would uh, you ever want? Would you ever want her to play hockey? Uh, I, if she ever wanted to play hockey, I, I would. If she ever wanted to play whatever she'd want to do, um, it's up to her. Um, she's more, I think she's more on the girly girl side. She's into the Barbies and the gymnastics and uh, <laughs> the dance and, and all that. So uh, bring uh, your feminine side out in your day. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I have that. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, she's skating. I have I, uh, no, she hasn't, she hasn't really wanted to skate. I've tried to, tried to get her out, but she's, uh, she's a little iffy. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll probably. Now that I now that now that I'm back here a lot more, and I'll probably get her out a lot more to uh, uh, to to uh, the Budweiser Gardens there and get her out on the ice and have some fun with her. What uh, what do you see next for yourself uh, in the you know near future? Um, I don't know yet. I, it's 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 one of those things. Um, I got London Knights here. Uh, they've always been fortunate, and they're uh, Grade A class organization um and then i also have the chicago blackhawks that 
I won two Stanley Cups, and they're they're they're, <clears throat> they're, a, they're an A class organization too. That that has always said, if you ever need help or you ever want to come back and do something or you want to do this, or they're uh, they're both A class organizations. And like I said, like I grew up playing hockey, and that that was my life was hockey. I think school was second. <laughs> But yeah. uh, but uh, hockey is what I know, and hockey is implemented in my brain. And I think you see a lot of guys that, that are done hockey; they stay in with it because that's the one thing they know. They they know hockey. Um, so if I can stay in with hockey and do something, uh, do something with that, or I'm not sure yet. So we'll see. Okay, that's that's awesome. I'm gonna ask you a few like quick fire questions to uh, to allow people to get to know you a little better. Um, what would be one tip that, uh, you would give somebody who's just a young upcomer in, in hockey, a little tip for them, a little advice. Uh, have fun. I think, uh, some of these parents these days, they take it a little too serious. And, uh, I think the one thing with me was I played hockey during the winter and I played lacrosse during the summer. Um, I played hockey all year round the one year and I, I hated hockey. I was like, I don't want to do yeah. this. And he, yeah. he kind of, he kind of got sick of it. Um, so I think at one point, I think it's just to have fun and, and enjoy it. And, yeah. uh, do you go ahead? I was just going to say that, uh, I feel like you're lucky maybe in a sense to have parents you know, from Scotland to avoid that whole aspect of it completely. I, surprised your yeah. dad wasn't pushing you to be playing soccer right yeah but, i know yeah, yeah you know coming to canada it's it's hockey it football, okay yeah just, just go for it and have fun yeah, yeah. can't call it soccer yeah 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 um what uh what's your favorite hobby uh golf what's your favorite book <laughs> the ones that have pictures <laughs> <laughs> not the dirty ones <laughs> my daughter's books <laughs> they're, yeah they're nice you're reading easy. you're reading um, i don't know i haven't really I've, i'm not really much of a book reader i could start reading books um i'm more favorite of a document. movie favorite, uh, movie, favorite then. movie uh i'd have to go with slap shot <laughs> oh excellent <laughs> classic so yeah. good oh. yeah so good um Favorite uh, favorite food or dessert? Uh, favorite food would have to go with pizza. Favorite dessert? I'm lactose intolerant, so it's a little tough with ice cream, but um, I'd have to go with uh, I'd have to go with apple pie. Okay. Nice. And you played for Chicago, so are we favorite pizza? That we, are we talking a Chicago deep dish or? Oh yeah, I, I, I like <laughs> any kind of pizza. Any kind of pizza. Any right. kind with, of pizza. Like deep with... dish was. Deep dish. The only thing with deep dish, you can only have one slice because there's there's a, a pound meal. of cheese on it, and like for me, for me, it it, it, it hurts. So. <laughs> but you're like you're you're uh, allergic to basically everything, like nuts actually, and actually, cheese. And... Actually, I'm not. Actually, I'm not allergic to nuts anymore. I actually oh, nice. And they said uh, I'm uh, I'm I don't know if I was even allergic to them, but they're like you're not allergic to them, so. And Perfect. I, so, so now I, I, I start, I, I'm not into the peanut butter, but I gradually get into it. But it's, uh, I do like the nuts now. Sweet. That's perfect. Yeah. And anything else you want to share that um, people might be, you might want to know about you, or might be interesting that, that most people don't know about you? Oh, I don't know. I love to sit on the couch and watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people I am know a, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am a pretty, uh, I am a couch 
when I do buy my couches, they have to be pretty critique. I need I need a nice big soft couch because I put a lot of hours on it. <laughs> so we we can call you a couch snob. You're a couch oh, yeah. snob. <laughs> I am a couch snob. I am. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, anything else you want to add, Dave, to uh, to finish this off? No, no, really. Just thanks for having me, and uh, it's awesome that you guys are doing this, and it's uh, it's it's fun. And thanks for having me. That was awesome. Yeah, no problem, Dave. We're so grateful that you could be on. And I know that just what you've been through and your story is something that other people will benefit from hearing and just understanding what you've, uh, what you've experienced, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad. And, uh, and we're really grateful to have you on. You're a great guy. And it's been a pleasure to know you and work with you. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks. No, thank you, guys. This is awesome. No problem. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, right, we're still really here. Bye. Not really bye. Not really bye. That was awesome, Dave. I know, that was think? good. That was good. Yeah. Thanks, man. That, that was, was awesome. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Anytime. That was good. That's fun. Yeah. Is it what That's... you expected? Uh, I, 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 I've done a few, like, these interviews, and I remember I did, my buddy, uh, he did, like, a comedian one, and he was just asking, like, little hockey ones, but... They're uh, they're fun. I like them. I like I like I like like. It's been a while since I've actually done an, done an interview like this or a podcast. So so it was uh it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. So if you're looking for any other times, I'm I'm here. That's right, perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We're gonna yeah. uh, we're we're probably gonna um uh, launch it. I think in October. We're we're trying to get enough interviews and so that when we launch we can we can launch like three or four of them at once and yeah, yeah. uh and then we'll that. probably do one a week after that and yeah. uh yeah so when we do we'll let you know so that you can just share it out and that kind of thing and yeah yeah let me know and i'll tweet it out or get it out there awesome 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 yeah. awesome so <laughs> you can hear our, our kids Sorry, one, and one sec. dogs in the you guys no, 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 don't worry no 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 i'm good yeah, I think there's barking dogs and you name it. So. I got I got barking dogs too. He kept you, yeah, I got three. Do you still have the little ones? Uh, I got a I got a toy poodle, uh, a miniature gold doodle, and then a standard poodle. So you know Holy what cow. we uh, we, I brought back a a Chihuahua Terrier cross from Mexico, a little rescue from Mexico. Oh no and way! Surpri- and surprised Paul. Oh, <laughs> yeah. here, I'll let her a in little... on you there, honey. She's like begging to see you. Oh, there she punk? is. Yeah, so he's he's kind of like, "What did you do?" I'm like, "I wanted nah. a small dog." It's yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, the small dog. Actually, the small dogs are nice. They're nice and cuddly. I like them. Oh, for I sure, they're like good on the couch. Oh. That's why. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's why. Yep. <laughs> Paul, Paul wasn't Paul wasn't prepared for her burrowing under the covers in the bed, though. <laughs> He's like, what oh. the hell? The other yeah. dog doesn't do this. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, no, that's good. Well, we really appreciate it. Yeah, um, yeah. You're, you're no. heading back to Florida soon? Yeah, I head back. Uh, I'm actually heading to Greece in Italy on Saturday. Going nice. Greece. Whereabouts? Uh, so we're, we're going to Corfu, Greece. Then we hop nice. on a boat. Um, and we've got a, we rented a boat that's going to take us up the coast and take us up to Italy, to Sicily, and then Sicily and then go over to London, England for a little bit and then um and then fly back home. That's oh, fantastic. Yeah, oh my so we're gosh. excited and looking forward to it. 
Oh, that's so, really good. And we yeah. uh, we interview um, Bob on Saturday, I think. Oh, do you? So, oh, good. Yeah, so we're gonna chat with him then. So we're yeah, excited. that'll be good. He'll he'll like it. Yeah, it'll be good. We'll have yeah. an amazing right. time on your trip and say hi to Ecat. I will. I will. And thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, no problem. You take care. Okay. See you, Paul. Thanks again, Dave. Take yeah. care, man. Bye. We'll see you guys around. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. To get more support in living your best life, find us in our free Facebook community, Empowered Top Performers. We're on Instagram at Paul Durden and at Empower Conditioning. Please share this podcast and rate us. A five-star review would mean the world to us. That is how we connect with and support more people to excel in sport and life. Take what you learned today and try it. Progress is perfection. Perfection.